Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. My Multiple Voices podcast, true to its name, includes different series. For example, we have the Voices of Love, where we discuss relationships, the voice of empowerment, the voice of laughter and play, the voice of pleasure, and the magical voice of archetypes and how they change the way we live. But we also have the voice of memory that includes everything from history to discussions of past life regression. There's also writing voices where we interview both seasoned writers and authors who have just started getting their feet wet with writing and we learn what can work for you as potential writers. Our series called Voice of the Spirit discusses different forms of spirituality and religion. And then Channeling Voices is a series that covers what happens when you channel, but is also extended to mediumship. Take a moment to review this podcast if you've enjoyed listening, and leave a hearty five stars. I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Claudia Monicelli, and I'm back with another episode of my podcast, Multiple Voices. Today we have with us Devan and Hubert. Um, Devan, and come and say hello to the audience. Hello, 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 everyone. I am <laughs> so happy to be here and incredibly and eternally grateful. <laughs> Listen to that beautiful voice. I mean, you can't not love it. Um, he's speaking to us from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Got that right, Devan? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Now, typically, when I um, have guests on my show, I send them a questionnaire to get to know them a little bit. And he's done, you know, he's written it out, filled it out. So I have some notes to introduce him. But, you know, there's a lot to be said between the lines, to read between the lines. So just give me, just let me give you a smattering of who he is. All right, Devan and Hubert is the author of a book called Sex, Drugs, and Jesus. And of course, you know, think, okay, I want him, you know, <laughs> And it's a memoir about his struggles with drug addiction, homelessness, serving in the armed forces, and HIV um, diagnosis and rejection from his church for his sexuality. He's also the host of um, his own podcast, Sex, Drugs, and Jesus, and is the owner of Down Under Apparel. And aside from this, Devannon is an honorably discharged veteran of the United States Air Force mm, and a graduate of both. I mean, for those of you who don't have the benefit of video, ladies and gentlemen, this man is gorgeous. I think he's and he has a smile to die for. <laughs> All right. And he's a graduate of both Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University and the Hypnosis Motivation um, Institute. He also graduated from the Medical Training College of Baton Rouge and is a licensed massage therapist. His story is one of um, survival, really, um, surviving the social outskirts and finding his way to his own balanced path. And so I'm going to ask him uh, questions to see if I can get out what he hasn't told me. All right, are you ready? Are you game, Devannon? Let's do it, baby. <laughs> All right. And well, he said, let's do it, baby. Before we, I pressed record, he says, 
I was born for this. <laughs> right. All right. Now, um, of course, he has just like his title, the book title. When did you write that, by the way? Let's see. I started taking notes on it in the year 2013. Oh, we long time ago. Yes, we put pen to paper about about the time the pandemic started to actually uh-huh. do the outline. Ah. And so so seriously starting about two years ago, but we started taking I started taking notes in 2013. It takes a long time. It does. Uh, and did you find in that writing process that you changed a lot of the let's say the division, the organization of the book from the beginning of when you started taking notes? Yeah, I personally changed. I just want to throw that out there. It was quite a, <laughs> a cathartic and healing, unexpectedly healing journey. Okay. But yeah, the book, written, the book was written at first in like, um, it was going to be like a flashback, like starting when I was homeless and flashing back to yeah. the military into my time in right. Baton Rouge. Right. Then by the time we, we went on like a tour to like Houston, New Orleans, Biloxi, we went on like a three, a tri-state tour uh-huh. to go back to places where events happen in the book because I wanted a very authentic story. Right. And there's and there's a documentary on my website, sexdrugsandjesus.com, that mm-hmm. you'll see video dripping out throughout the year that covers that. Mm-hmm. And um and it echoes things from within the memoir. And so by the time that tour was done, I was like, you know what? Let's there's change enough bomb- things. <laughs> Yeah, let's flip the we flip the whole thing around. Oh my god! And then, then, then we decided to take it just in chronological order from beginning to end. All right, the- I'm going to stop you right that, but we're, go- we're going a little too ahead of ourselves. All right, now, obviously, you wanted to change things because other issues became important for you, perhaps, and we'll find out what those are. First, let me ask you: When did you end your service with the armed forces? What year was that? July 4, the year 2006. Liberation, independence. All right. So who was Devannon in high school? I was an altar boy serving in the Pentecostal <laughs> state. <laughs> I fell in love with the altar boy, so all the time was terrible. <laughs> and I was so angry because I couldn't be one. I couldn't be an altar boy. <laughs> Yeah, because there's no ultra girls. It's right. just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wrong. But that but, wasn't the school. What was your life like in, in school? Well, it it was chaotic. You know, there's a lot of trouble at home. My dad had an affair. I think mm-hmm. it was like his second affair. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was verbally and physically abusive. And so I had trouble in school. And then I had... Um, Do you have brothers like, and like, sisters? Um, yes, I do. Uh-huh. I don't really, my relationship with them has been different since I was homeless. And so effectively, it's just like me and my parents now. I see. I see. I see. Well, let's, let's just jump a little bit ahead. Um, so you, your parents and your family life conditioned those years when you were in high school in terms of your your grades, let's say, or in, and your peace of mind. Is, is that, am I safe in saying that? It had a, a negative influence on it because mm-hmm. I had like say straight A's all throughout seventh grade, you know. Uh-huh. But then in the eighth grade was when the affair happened around it, you know, that time. And then my grades began to go down. 
uh, the house that we had, my parents lost it. It got foreclosed mm-hmm. on. So I showed up from school one day. Everything was all packed up. And they were like, yeah, we lost the house. So we're moving back oh, to the wow. hood. All right. And so, so stuff Jeez. like that was going on. Yeah. I was involved yeah. in an inappropriate relationship when I was 15 with like the choir director at this church who was 22 who was who was practicing witchcraft on me i would come to find out wait 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 all right let's jump on that when you talk about and when we talk about religion right around the corners there's that negative you know energy where there's light there's darkness that's that's life you know that's you can't have life without darkness so let um when you talk about witchcraft, who was, according to you, the person who practiced witchcraft on you? Well, so, wait, witchcraft, I don't want to give witchcraft a negative. There are There is white witchcraft and black witchcraft. Okay, witchcraft in and of itself is not negative. You put your intentions on something, and that is witchcraft. You're talking about negative energy sent your way. Or maybe you can explain it better. Mm-hmm. So his name is, as I refer uh, no, to Oh, no, no, I don't want names. We don't want names. We want, you know, someone you knew. Well, it was just going to be a fictitious name because that's what we used in the book. But All right. So, all right. So give but, me the fictitious name. It was a man. Right. And so in the book, we call him Nico. I mean, mm-hmm. and most of the names in the book have been changed. Mm-hmm. I like to use names because it just makes it more real as opposed right. to saying mm-hmm. person X. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, right. Um, and but he's dead now anyway. A poor so, man. Mm-hmm. So he was much older than you? So, yeah, I was 15. He was 22. And so he got fixated on me and he decided that he wanted to have me all to himself. So mm-hmm. so uh, things But he was also I later came to find out running around intentionally trying to give HIV to as many pe- AIDS to as many people as mm. he can because he had contracted it and he got very bitter about it. And so he was trying to infect me and however many people he can. And that's why he's dead, because he died at like 24 ish mm. uh, because he just. I guess he didn't take the medicine or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, so I started having dreams about him every night. We would meet in the back of church and kiss and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He would talk to me on the phone. Wait, wait, Uh, now, wait a minute. Let's get back to the witchcraft because that's a pretty direct contention, pretty direct statement, right? What was it about what he did that you were absolutely sure there was witchcraft there? negative energy i'm couching that as so i was i was in a counseling session with my pastor whom whom i was her altar boy her assistant right you know and she was she was a prophetess and she was clairvoyant and we would do counseling sessions and she had the gift of the like the angelic handwriting some people call it or she would say the spirit would move her hand it looked like scribbled automatic writing Uh uh-huh automatic writing Mm -hmm. yeah people call it that and so he nico and i had a rift and things became very contentious between us. And that's when she began to look into it. And she was telling me he was like burning candles, you know, on me. So and there was like intention. There was negative intention there. Right. And as, as she described that he was able to capture my, like my, my soul or spirit. I think, I think it was my soul. Yeah. And basically well, had run off with it. When yeah. that happens um, and it has negative effects, it's, uh, 
manipulating, willingly, with intention, manipulating someone's free will. And that's what gives black magic a, a bad name because people manipulate your free will and it has an effect on you. What did you feel? Did you feel the effect of that? Right. So I started dreaming about him every night and the dreams were like very terrifying. Usually it was nightmares. Mm -hmm. um, I would feel my bed shake at times and stuff like that. Wow. His he had a very potent cologne he would wear. And at times I would just all throughout the day, I would smell his cologne. And then all throughout every night I would dream about him. Uh, so I, I believe he was sending his spirit, you know, around me. He got a hold of my, a windbreaker, like a jacket that I have, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't give it back to me. Mm -hmm. And I believe that he used that to feel closer to me and to possibly strengthen his spells. Mm -hmm. and so, oh, so they I, were spells. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, and I didn't have any peace. I wasn't happy unless I was around him. Right. And so what I think he did was, um, as I got, as I got older and I looked into it was something called an intranquil candle is what I think he did. And if you read the back of this candle and, you know, witchcraft and that is very potent, I think kind of everywhere, but especially concentrated, like say down here near New Orleans where we live. And so right. you can go in all kinds of shops and get all kinds of things. Right. Um, so I'm reading the back of this candle and the, the lady who works there is explaining it to me. And the intention here is to go and find a, like a roaming spirit that can cross like a negative spirit that can right. cross in between a, our world and theirs. Yeah. And you send this spirit to go and vex the person who's the object of your desire and to take peace from them right. until they, unless they are around you. And so I was like, mm, this feels like what happened to me. You know, I was miserable and it took about, um, maybe six months from the time my pastor and I started working on it until the time the spell was broken. And right. I knew that it was broken on a, it was like a Sunday morning. We didn't go to church. I was sitting at the kitchen table, like working on math or whatever. And it's like, I felt it. I felt lift. like the weight lift yeah. off of me. And I, it was such a relief that I had to, I just put my pencil down and I went and go, I walked to the end of the driveway where my grandmother was already uh, standing and, I never dreamt about him again. Never, you know, not not, not from that morning forward. Mm -hmm. So he died shortly after that, right? Maybe like a year or two. Okay, very young. He died very young. All right. Um, you briefly mentioned to me um, during before we went on um, conversations with spirits or angels that you had. So let me see. My dad and I were at a, they, 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 they appear to me at times in physical form, although I am a gifted dreamer. That's been my primary gift. Can you tell us what child. gifted, a gifted dreamer is? Can you define that so we know better? So that means that when I, when I dream something in my dream, it's, it's going to come true okay. or it's something that already has happened that I'm being given insight into, mm -hmm. or it's something that's going on. So warnings. Yeah premonitions and things like that yeah um so the first dream for instance i remember having is i think when god first called me and i saw like a golden cross standing vertically upright it was covered in jewels from head to toe and all around must have been like four or five years old and it was just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and it came and stood in front of me and it and i got the sense that it, and we that it kind of hung there for a little while and i just kind of got the sense that it was pleading to me and like kind of reaching out and stuff like that and 
you know, that going make to you afraid? No. Ah, interesting. It made me curious. I don't yeah. fear. I don't have like spiritual fear and stuff like that. And I think that, um, I think maybe it's because God started dealing with me at such a young age. So I'm accustomed to yeah. things like that. So when you say God started dealing with you at a young age, what do you mean? Dealing with me like in dreams and stuff like that. You know, you know, I hear people all the time say they never dream or they can't remember right. their dreams. Or if right. they do, it's just kind of like random. But when you, but I'm starting, you know, and God is talking to me in these dreams and I'm seeing all kinds of things, you know, that are happening. You know, it's just like any other relationship. The more you talk with and deal with a person, you begin to feel closer to them and it begins to change you and stuff like that. So any kind of interaction, where, you know, with God is him dealing with us. And so mm -hmm. the first time I saw, I interacted with an angel. My dad and I were like the last people in this grocery store. And again, I was at a very young age, um, you know, maybe five, six, seven. Mm -hmm. um, and so we went and ran in there. The store was closing. No one else was in the parking lot. The employees parked in the back. So it was just us. And so we look up suddenly and there's this, there's this white guy standing there. He looked homeless. And then he just like basically appeared out of nowhere because we would have seen him approach us from this mm. vast parking lot. Right. He looked homeless and dirty and clothes and everything like that. But his eyes had an electric fire in it that betrayed his physical appearance. Mm -hmm. And when he spoke, he didn't talk to my dad. He, he was standing in my dad's rear view. I mean, he was standing in my dad's window at his door, but he never addressed my dad. Mm -hmm. He spoke to me directly. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he looked at me in the, just the strength in his eyes that was unwavering. I don't know if the man ever blinked. I don't want to say angels don't blink, but he just had like a strength there that was just unyielding. And so he asked me for like a dollar. Uh, I had exactly a dollar in my little camouflage Velcro wallet, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, I was afraid to give it to him because I didn't know if I would get beat or anything like that. But so you keep talking about this uh, angel as a physical being, right? Yeah. And but your dad didn't see it or did he? He saw him, but he did not address my dad. And so we looked down for a moment. No, no. Did your dad see him? He saw my dad saw him. Yeah. But they did not converse. Ah, interesting. So, and then a split second it took us to consider this dollar thing. We looked up that the, the man was gone. He couldn't have. We were in the middle of a huge store, grocery store, parking lot. And. And then, I mean, I'm, and I've had similar things like that happen. One time I was out in the front yard raking leaves. I don't like to do yard work anyway. And this guy just, before I knew it, he was there. This was like a skinny black guy. He was <laughs> like, hey, watch out for poisonous snakes. Now we're in the middle of like the hood, like, you know, like in the ghetto <laughs> part of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, you would think snakes in the middle of the city. The next pool of the rake, there was the red snake. There was a snake there flopping around and everything. And I looked back up and the stranger was gone. Yeah. You know, he, it was only a split second. They didn't, mm. I mean, where would he have gone? It's just the, the right, long, narrow Right. Street. Sounds like guides, your, your guides, your spirit guides, they, they seem to, to uh, the way you talk about them. Um, have you ever had the appearance of the same one more than once? No. And, um, and um, no, they always come in a different form. Mm -hmm. um, but there's always a strength and a knowing in their voice and their eyes are always unwavering. They carry themselves with a confidence that, 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 that cannot be reckoned with.
they talk as though what they're saying is fact. Okay. Give me an example of well, something. Mm-hmm. Besides the two here, another one um, would be when I was uh, I was delivering food after I was homeless and I was trying to work my way back up. I got a job delivering food. I think I had about like 33 cents in my pocket and I pull up at this pizza restaurant to grab an order. There's only like two cars in the parking lot and there's this man stretching okay, like he's out for a jog, which made sense. But then he approaches me as soon as I hop out of the car asking for money for gas for his car. So, and he didn't look like he was like on drugs or anything. He was, this was, this was an upstanding looking person wearing, you know, mm-hmm. you know, nice running clothes and everything like that. And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm broke anyway or anything like that. And I was like, you know, I don't have any money. And he looked at me as if he already knew I only had change in my pocket. He was like, not even change, <laughs> you know, you know, and so, and so I, so I was, so, but when you only have 33 cents, you feel broke anyway. Right. And so I really didn't feel like I had it to give. And so I told him no, and then I changed my mind. And then I followed him the direction he went around the other side of the only other car in the parking lot, which was his black truck. And then he wasn't there anymore. <laughs> Again, this was the this sort of thing only takes like a, a half a second. It's half, a half a second, minute. right. They come and go. No. They're messengers, really, just to give you the flash. Um, did that ever happen to you when you, I don't know, when you asked for it in a moment where you really needed it? It was um, an appearance of this kind, uh, let's say, beneficial for you to get out of a problem that you had? Or were they seemingly just random? Well, I don't believe in random. Right. Right. (laughs) You got it. So whether or not I know what the benefit was is not important. The important thing is that I know that I'm being watched over. Right. And so... Now, in terms of anything that I asked for intentionally, now that my grandmother and my pastor are dead, they appear to me in spirit form in my dreams with messages and warnings and guidance all the time. Give us a couple of examples um, of, because a lot of people ask me, well, it, has he come to me, you know, talking about the relatives who have passed? And what kind of, uh, give me a couple of tangible examples of things that you heard during your sleep. From these souls, if you could read, I don't know that they necessarily speak, and it's not that I necessarily want them to say anything to me. I need to feel their presence again. Mm-hmm. You see, so back like when I was struggling, say like maybe I had a night where I was like did way too many drugs or something like that while mm-hmm. I was trying to get off of them, and I was paranoid and freaking out. I might, I might reach out to my evangelist Nelson is her name, you know, my pastor who died a few years mm-hmm. ago. I might be like, you know, I hate to bother you because I don't like to bother spirits and stuff yeah. like that, you know, but, you know, I really, really need you now, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, so I'd probably end up having a dream about her, you know, soon, mm-hmm. you know, but certainly I can, I can feel my grandmother, my evangelist's presence whenever they come around. Yeah. And so I don't, I'm not like asking them, okay, how is this relationship going to work out? Or should I do this business? I don't, I don't get specific with questions like that because I can pray to God myself for that. Yeah. I don't, that's not what I want from them. Mm -hmm. You know, I like it when they show up in my dreams and when those angels appeared, it wasn't 
that I needed them to tell me anything, but it's important for God to, to be telling me, I see where you're at. I, I'm still guiding you, even though it seems like your life isn't going the way you want it to go. Right. So it's a very reassuring thing when they show up and it gives me the strength I need to keep going. Yeah. So, so let me, uh, all right, the book, the title, um, so we know that there were housing problems. We know that there were sexual uh, problems that problems that other had with you, others had with you. We know that your religion also interacted with your your sexual preference and and that caused some disorientation. And we also know there are drugs, there were drugs there. Um, at each turn, it seems like, you know, when I think, Devan, and when I have to prepare something or prepare a talk, what I do is take a big piece of paper and write keywords. And when I was reading your um, your questionnaire, the answers, I thought, hmm, it looks like a five-star life. You know, there's this, 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 and then there's Devan and in the middle. And I was thinking that each side to your life, whether it was drugs, whether it was homelessness, whether it was being on the wrong sex side for many if you can remember, try to think, all of these, did they coincide with messages that came to you? I guess what I'm trying to ask, Devannon, is were you ever in a moment where you were out in the cold, when you felt abandoned? Yeah, when I was from the moment that I got kicked out of Lakewood Church for not being straight. Right, um, right. You know, I felt abandoned and alone. Then when I got that HIV diagnosis on the phone, mm -hmm. I mean, on a voicemail actually, wasn't even from the doctor, mm -hmm. directly left a voicemail. Um, but probably that whole time, from the time that I got kicked out of church until the time I began to reconnect with God about five or six years later, uh -huh. I would say that that, 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 was that a whole long time. time. But this time was foretold. So I had a dream. What do you mean? Sorry, you said this time was foretold. How? Yeah, that the, the bad time that I had to go through. It, so I had a dream many, many years ago. I, 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 you know, like I said, so somebody who's, or at least for my case, with my dream, gift as a dream, I dream every time I go to sleep, every a time I'm off. A gifted dreamer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always dream. I always dream. And so... One of the many, many dreams I had, you know, in my youth, I saw it was like my parents and I, just me and my parents, you know, were standing on top of this incredibly tall and slender mountain, mm -hmm. stupidly tall. And everything was just black and foggy. You know, it was chaotic. And we saw and there's no way down. It was just like a helicopter would have had to bring us. There's no way right. to walk up and down. Mm -hmm. There's only enough space really for our feet, not much mm -hmm. else. So really tall, really slender. So there's this huge tall, and all the water is black, you know. So there's there's this tall wall of wave of this black water heading towards us. Yeah. And so we're talking like thousands of feet tall here. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in this wall of water is heading towards us and there's no way down. And we just have this look of terrified horror and shock on our faces. We get ready to brace for this impact. Right. About a year before I got that HIV diagnosis, evangelist nelson he called me and she was telling me that i was getting ready to go through a very very rough time right um 
And for whatever reason, I just felt an instinct that I shouldn't try to ask her a way out of it. Because usually whenever I get we get some sort of prophetic warning, I would be like, okay, what can we do to circumvent this? Because usually right. there's a way out. But I got, there was just something absolute, you know, in her voice this time. And I understood that, it can, you know, I'm not going to be able to get delivered from every little thing. You know, some stuff I'm going to have to go through. Now, I didn't know that it would end up being being homeless and everything yeah. like that. Okay. And, but, but. You know, this here was the darkest time. So, know, of so my let's life say that, that in with hindsight, after it passed, you could look back and remember, oh, that's what the dream meant. It was foretold. Yeah. Um, right. It's you've had a lot of dark moments, but so, so many conversations and so, so many messages and so, so many being pulled out, you know, of that darkness. And um, this is surprising for me it's surprising that um life brings you to such a low point but that it brings you to such a high point at as well that you can't imagine you could be at um i would like to say there are many people listening to us and most of them, a lot of them, uh, through the questions when I have a Q&A session on my channel, a lot of people ask me, am I on the right path? Am, um, am I doing what I should be doing? Uh, do I have negative energy on me? Did someone practice black magic on me? Can you give them suggestions in terms of these questions, am I on the right path? How could they know that they are or they are not? I ask for God to speak to people in a way that they're going to understand that it's him talking. Now, I'm only speaking for people, you know, I believe in God, Jesus Christ, Holy Ghost, not a big church or an organized religion person. I'm more like, I, I like its approach of God independently. Mm -hmm. So... I'm talking in terms of that. So now if somebody believes in a different God right. or like a universe or a something like that. A divine presence, a higher you know, my power. Knowledge mm -hmm. might, my knowledge might not extend to them because I'm very specific in exactly who I believe in and why. Nothing against what anyone believes, but, but I can only speak about my own. let's call it a higher power and then we'll just so, embrace all. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so when it comes to the thing about purpose and destiny and everything like that, I think the first thing to understand is that it's nothing is going to happen until it's time for it to happen. And so if it is decided by God that you are going to be X, Y, Z, but that date is not going to be for seven years, 13 hours, 24 days, you cannot rush it. It won't happen until then. And so anything that you do until then might feel like you're not in where you where you were like in your purpose, but perhaps this is like, the building blocks for that i was talking to someone earlier you know about that you know how no job no career no experience is all bad even if it sucks like when i was right. a janitor cleaning up poop and pee and blood right. and everything like that after i was homeless and you know then going into the service industry i hated those jobs but you know they didn't pay any hardly any money but they built character and it did other things so there's more benefits say to, to, to these jobs we hate than just the money or even the jobs we like than just the money so it may not feel like it but perhaps you need this step where you're at right you know in order to get to where it is you're supposed to ultimately 
end Be, up. Mm. So today I can tell you as an author and as a podcaster, and, um, you know, I feel like I'm serving my absolute purpose and I am totally happy with everything that I'm doing with no reservations. But even before I was homeless and I had a job making 35 to $70 an hour as a substation electrician at Centerpoint Energy, I was making good money mm-hmm. and I could go out and buy things, but I wasn't happy like this. Mm-hmm. And so it took this whole process and uh, it and for me to get to this point, but it wasn't meant for me to get to this point until today. Now, I wanted to be at this point 20 years ago, right? but that's just not what was decided by God. And so I think the most important thing is for us to try to get close to God so we can hear him, you know, to mm-hmm. build our relationship, not necessarily to get more out of him or to, you know, and we, but we got to be patient. Mm-hmm. We don't want to get ahead of God or as, as it said in the Hebrew Bible, not to have a uh, zeal without knowledge. So it's great if we want to live our purpose and we want to do that, but we need to be focused on doing it when God's ready for us to do it. And until then, just be happy with what we have. Now, if somebody's practicing black magic on you, if you have that fear, first thing I would question is who do you think it is and why? Because we don't want to get caught up in like a random fear that someone could be working against us. You know, it could be, could not be. So, um, if you you could use things like burn like a white candle or bathe yourself in white soap or olive oil soap in order to or wash salt. witchcraft off you. salt and oil mm-hmm. yeah you can do uh, salt water baths you can fully submerge yourself in salt water there's all kinds of ways to um to do it as a practice i do some of those things here and there regularly not because i fear someone's doing anything but because i, I assume it's bound to happen eventually Oh, well, we call so, that psychic hygiene. It's it's okay. tri- energetic hygiene, yeah. yeah. Okay, I love that term. That's, that, you know, it's beautiful, psychic energetic hygiene. Energetic hygiene or psychic hygiene, yeah, yeah. yeah it's cleaning it up. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so I, so I would recommend practicing psychic hygiene, but... You know, try to avoid becoming fearful because that's not a good vibration mm-hmm. to abide in. You don't want to become right. paranoid about what someone might be doing. Sometimes it's just a regular problem. But as you pray and get close to God, you know, he's able, you know, he has power over these things. And the first thing that's going to deliver you is him, not, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. All right. I'm nothing. going to object to the him, he. <laughs> But I will accept it. It's just tradition to call it a him. <laughs> All right. And a he. God, it's always masculine. Just like the altar yeah. boys. <laughs> They're all yeah, boys. I, 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 I love it when women refer to God as she. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter to me either way. Because he's, either way, I'm going to call him he. You know, I'm a dude, so I kind of identify <laughs> like that. But I'm not yeah. going to call him like it or refer to him as some inanimate pronoun. Yeah. Yeah. So. He's just my personal choice, but I'm down with calling God a woman. Okay, yeah. that works too. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Devan, and thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. It was such a lovely moment to talk with you. And here, and of course, we just barely scratched the surface, I know. But I will put your website. Just tell us the name of your website again. Sex, drugs, and Jesus.com. Okay, it's easy to remember. And I'll put all of the references under in the description. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
I appreciate it as well. Bye-bye, Devannon. <laughs>